Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Austin Smith on the show. As a California real estate broker, Austin has worked in commercial and residential real estate since 2005. He holds a Master's of Urban and Regional Planning from San Jose State University. Austin's work has ranged from designing master plan communities to managing tenant improvement initiatives to developing transformative commercial developments such as 17th Place Townhomes and Cafe Smitten, both located in Bakersfield, California. This is our first episode I'm calling The View from the Outside. Austin is working in a sister city to Fresno, Bakersfield, and I believe his perspective is a useful one for us. Please enjoy my conversation with Austin Smith. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. We'll start this by uh, talking about two different places because this is our first kind of podcast where we're having someone from the outside look in on Fresno. And we'll start... um, because Austin is from Bakersfield. We'll start by talking about uh, Bakersfield first and then talking about Fresno. Uh, so where, where do you like to eat in Bakersfield? Uh, you know, there's a lot of great places. Um, Moo Creamery is a favorite of ours. Uh, we end up going there quite a bit. Um, the, uh, there's the story to Basque and Italian restaurants as well, Bakersfield. But uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of good options. There's a local bakery that we like. Uh, we actually are able to walk to with the kids, uh, Baker's Outpost. Um, I recommend. So a lot of good options. You know, the name Moo Creamery is kind of misleading. Uh, you know, it's not just yeah. a place that serves soft serve right, right. gallons of milk. So what, right. what, what do you like at Moo Creamery? Yeah, they have a lot of, uh, basically everything they do there is really well done. A lot of good salads and uh, a lot of good things, uh, burgers and everything. So uh, it's a, it's a crowd pleaser for the kids as well. And where do you like to eat in Fresno when you're here? You know, honestly, I don't, uh, I don't know much about Fresno dining. So, uh, you know, the next time I'm there, I'll, I'll have to uh, learn from you. <laughs> yeah, we have plenty of recommendations. So yeah. um, let's just get into talking about a few different things. Um, and I, I want to talk about uh, perceptions to start, um, yeah. because there is a perception in Fresno of Bakersfield, and then there's a perception yeah. of Bakersfield of Fresno. Right. And I want you to speak from your perspective first. And then I'll kind of share mine and you can give some feedback on it um, yeah. because I've, li- I've now lived in both places. So how do people in Bakersfield perceive Fresno? I, uh, it, it's always amazing to me that there's a lack of knowledge uh, kind of between the two places uh, because we're, you know, very similar, you know, and, uh, you know, Fresno people uh, often say, oh, Bakersfield, and Bakersfield people say, say, uh, Fresno, but, um, you know, they're very similar. I, I think Fresno is sort of the big brother, so that's why Bakersfield at times will be like, ah, oh, there's nothing in, in Fresno, because they sort of don't want to admit that, you know, it's a bigger, uh, <laughs> there's more going on there. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, there is kind of a a perception that Fresno is further along than Bakersfield right. is by people that live in Fresno as a right. sense of, you know, having the sense of superiority. Whereas I think in reality, they're pretty close to each other, yeah. uh, which kind of leads me to my next topic, because when I was, when I'm thinking about the similarities, I'm, I'm thinking about how cities develop and uh, people tend to tie everything 
in the Central Valley together as if we're on all on the same development track. Right. And I don't know if that's accurate because, I mean, there are some pretty important differences between yeah. the economy of Bakersfield and the economy of Fresno. Uh, we don't have petroleum in the same way that Bakersfield right. does. And I don't know if that um, that dictates how the economy will develop or develop differently. So I guess the, the real question I'm asking is, do you think that Bakersfield and Fresno are on the same development track um, or are they on separate development tracks? I think that you have to look at the Central Valley as a whole. Um, and unfortunately, that hasn't been done in the past because it's such a vast geographical region. Uh, but it does have, you know, a lot of shared history and, and um, industries and everything. The, the oil piece that you're right is different. And, and Fresno is more of a regional center. So there's a lot more government. And I would say there's a more developed service sectors as well um economically but on the whole I, I think our region would do best if it if it did think about um as a whole you know that the bullet train is is one thing that could tie it all together you know if it uh you know it's, it's a great idea and hopefully it happens but um that would be something that would definitely be a, a boon to the region and would would better connect the disparate cities of the central valley so that's aspirational, right? We right. Really want the valley to develop, but as it is, do you see Bakersfield and Fresno going in the same direction or slightly different directions? What's your perception as of now? Yeah, I think over time they will, because I, I think we're going to move towards, you know, obviously we're still going to be agriculture based, but post pandemic with so many people moving to the central Valley, I, I think there is going to be growing service industries in in the central valley and in a more educated workforce um growth of healthcare as well so i think there's a lot of changes in industry that will will lead to changes in the these cities and their cultures and their economies as well yeah it seems like what you're describing is that there needs to be more coordination kind of yeah. in developing these larger infrastructure projects sure. that would benefit the whole valley as opposed to just regional stuff. And, right. you know, that's complicated, of course. And, you know, some of that takes place at the state level um, and is beyond a city's control. Um, so my next question is kind of something that people think about a lot in the Central Valley, and particularly when people move to the Central Valley. Um, I think what they expect is uh, kind of, you know, Lennar style track homes on and on and on and on and on. Um, and you're working in a world that's different than that, that has, uh, you know, in in coordination sometimes but it has has a vision of the central valley being a place with some with some density um some urban development so uh what's what's the what's the best case for urban development particularly in a city that is on the whole built around low density zoning yeah i think it's a pretty easy argument to make and that you know people would like options in terms of how they live and unfortunately the development pattern that we've had here in Central Valley and in most of Heartland uh, America, you know, post-war is is that of kind of this monoculture suburban development. Um, and, you know, a lot of cities the size of Fresno and Bakersfield have very uh, lively happening downtowns. And I, I think that we can as well in, in Fresno and Bakersfield. And what we do is we develop housing uh, in the downtown area and, and we found that there's a, a strong market niche for that. So uh, 
I think it's something that will uh, continue to grow over time as as people get excited about it because what we found is these things sort of build on each other. Uh, as you have some investment and, and some new developments, then then other uh, business owners and other developers want to come in and, and do things as well. Do you find that people that are relocating from larger cities um, gravitate towards the more urban living or are they the people that are coming from larger cities are used to living in apartments and are kind of excited for the track home experience, quote unquote, um, or is it people are the people moving downtown have been in the track home situation in Bakersfield and looking for a different experience? Actually, it's a mix. You know, we see all the above. Um, our particular housing product that we provide, it's, it's market rate. So it's for the Central Valley, you know, on the higher end, it would be comparable to new suburban garden apartment developments with the pool and the gym and the clubhouse and, you know, that kind of whole experience. Uh, and we don't have all that. What we have is walkability in downtown amenities and everything. So what we see is a lot of professionals, whether it be attorneys or healthcare professionals or, or whatnot, coming from outside of Bakersfield and, and moving here for jobs a lot of times, or we see people who are already within Bakersfield and are looking for the downtown experience. So I, I would say the bulk of people that are moving to the Central Valley now are moving here for affordable housing and they're looking to buy single family homes like you're talking about. But also being that we're underserved in, in certain professional industries here, there's a lot of people that move here for jobs and there's not necessarily housing options that they're interested in always, because like I said, they don't always want to live in a single family home or a new garden apartment complex. They would like more of the downtown environment that they might have experienced where they're coming from. So uh, it goes back to, like I said, options, really. It, it's that we can have more than one type of development in a city of half a million people or like Fresno, a city of a million people. What's the best argument if you're looking at this from the municipal level, if you're trying to get a city to support a project like this, uh, what, what's the benefit to the city itself? Well, I think I would give a lot of credit to Fresno here because they've had vision for over you know, a decade or two decades in terms of downtown because they understood what a strain it is on services to have continued sprawl that goes on and on. Uh, because you're basically, the city's providing more and more infrastructure all the time into the further and further reaches of the city that they then have to service over the coming decades. Whereas when you are building an already urbanized area, uh, the infrastructure is all there. It needs to be updated over time, but it's much easier to service long-term than, than continuing to expand outward. Yeah, so more cl closer people live, the less services that need to be provided on the whole um, for, for a city's perspective. So in yeah, some ways, it saves scale. city money, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, what is your perception of downtown Fresno? I think it's come a long way. Uh, like downtown Bakersfield, it still has a long way to go, but it's definitely on the, on the upward trajectory. I mean, the thing that always strikes me is the incredible stock of historic buildings in downtown Fresno that we don't have here in Bakersfield because we had an earthquake in 1952 that <laughs> knocked a lot of the history here down. Um, and, and it's exciting to see those buildings start to get filled up in Fresno. Uh, obviously, there's still a, a lot to be done, but I, I think it's, it's got a great, um, great bones that, that you can build on there in, in downtown Fresno. 
All right. So the next section is called overrated versus underrated. I'm going to throw some uh, topics, people, food at you, and you'll just tell me uh, whether you think it's over or underrated. Uh, So we'll start with uh, a Bakersfield one. The Bakersfield sound, over or underrated? Uh, I would say it's it's underrated on a on a national level. It might be overrated locally. <laughs> okay. I, I think not everyone uh, knows uh, about the history of the Bakersfield Sound and, and how it all uh, evolved historically and everything. And it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, but you know, here in the Central Valley, we we probably could uh, could start looking at at the future <laughs> a little more. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know if it's been 50 years, but it's, it's been, it's been a while since uh, Merle and uh, Buck were uh, putting, plugging their guitars into amps. All right. Next one. Uh, E-bikes over or underrated? E-bikes are are on the way up. I'd say they're probably underrated in terms of what the potential is for them, because I, I see a lot of people who may not ride bikes, you know, traditional bikes where you're doing all the work, uh, picking them up and, and using them. So I, I think it definitely has a lot of potential to enhance uh, non-motorized transportation. So uh, you're thinking for commuting or for leisure? Uh, for both. Okay. Yeah. Our, our, you know, part of the issue that we've talked about on here before is that, you know, to get people on bikes, people have to feel safe on bikes. Right. Um, right. And so that is, that I don't know if that do you see that as the biggest inhibitor, the infrastructure not being there, or the fact that people just don't want to pedal? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a chicken or the egg. Um, I, I personally have seen a lot of people pick up bicycling based on e-bikes. So I, I I do think there's potential there. Okay. All right. Next one. Um, and this is from a kind of a business perspective as someone uh that works in the business world. Uh MBA programs, over or underrated definitely overrated <laughs> why uh you learn by doing in, in business so there's a very there's a very specific trajectory for mba grads and not to knock it at all but you know there's you can go the fortune 500 route but most people in the business world that's not where they live so it, it doesn't doesn't help everyone yeah and if you're it's not like a law degree or a medical degree where you're learning kind of a specific thing in order to pass a test right, to right. do a certain kind of job you know a lot of the things are practical experience that you right. can also learn on the street do you think there's anything that a potential business person might lose out on by not pursuing an MBA program like i said if if you're looking uh you know to climb the corporate ladder it, it, it may be a necessity it's it's often required so I, I would say that's that's probably the big uh thing you'd miss out on okay next one uh basque food over or underrated uh it's uh <laughs> locally it's probably overrated <laughs> if someone's never had basque food can you describe the experience yeah it's it's a mean potatoes um traditional european uh food that was eaten in the basque region in 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 between spain and france and the pyrenees mountains uh it, it's it's very hearty it, it fills everyone up but it's it's not gourmet by any means <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is kind of a an Growing up in Bakersfield, there is this kind of perception that like it's something, you know, it's a it's a it's a jewel in our crown. You know? yeah, but when yeah. you go to experience it, it's 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 not much of I mean, it's it's good food. I don't yeah, want to completely yeah. shit on it. That's not yeah, what I'm yeah. trying to do. But it's uh, 
you know, it, it's definitely the perception of it is interesting relative to what the experience yeah, is. There's some interesting delicacies. Uh, you know, if you've never had cow's tongue before, it's a, <laughs> it's there you go. New. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say his name right, but I know you're familiar with him. Uh, the work of Robert Cialdini. Is that how you say his name? Uh, the yeah. his book Persuasion. Um, yeah. So is, is that kind of uh, kind of business self-help useful or not useful? I think it's interesting to, to think about. Um, and he actually has studied all that quite extensively and knows a lot more <laughs> than I do. But uh <laughs> I, it's probably not for everyone, but in a certain sectors. Uh, of business. Do you find it useful in your work? No, I, I find that uh, in terms of engaging with people, it's best to just think about where they're coming from and think empathically instead of how to game <laughs> the, yeah. the system uh, and think about studies that have been done in this and that. So. Yeah, there is a whole kind of a genre of this kind of literature of kind of like it's a cross between self-help and business. Um, and it's really popular. I mean, a lot of yeah. these books will sit at the, you know, New York times bestseller right. list for, for a long time. Um, but I just, you know, it, it seems like maybe they're books that are written for people kind of fantasizing being in that world versus right. actually engaging in the world right. of, you know, selling and buying things right. that, uh, involves persuasion. So, right. All right. Next one. Uh, downtown San Jose over or underrated. It's uh, it's on the way up. So <laughs> it's been on the way up for a long time. So uh, yes. I, it's a strange I, downtown, I, isn't it? Yeah. I, I haven't been in a while, but I mean, they've got some pretty significant activity happening there. Um, high rise towers and whatnot. So it kind of, how makes, long did you live there? I lived there. It's probably been 15 years. They, they want to be the capital of Silicon Valley, and they've always been too far to the south. But, um, you know, I, I think the case is becoming more compelling. They, they've gotten a lot more corporations to move to San Jose in the past two years. Next one. Uh, the films of Jean-Luc Godard, overrated. <laughs> Probably overrated if you're a, if you're a film nerd. <laughs> yes. For you, are they over or underrated? Yeah, yeah. Big fan of uh, French New Wave cinema. <laughs> That's great. What is your favorite? Uh, you know, Breathless is the classic. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Last one. Uh, Israeli cuisine, over or underrated? Wow. Israeli cuisine is pretty incredible. Uh, I think probably not enough people know that. It's underrated, definitely. Okay. What is what 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 are kinds of things that you like in Israeli cuisine? You know, it's I don't know anything that's specifically is is really it's, it's mediterranean food if you you know if you know other mediterranean cuisines it's similar but having been to israel and had it there it, it's like a whole nother level you know like when you go to italy that the food is different than when you have italian food in america mm -hmm. yeah and i you know i i think one thing people could benefit from um is you know learning to make hummus for example in the way they maybe make in israel that's different than that bean paste we buy from trader joe's right, right. you know because it's just a different experience yeah. and i think that's you know it, it could be freshness it could be a lot of the spices that are used but uh you know i think you know i think people need to explore these in ways that you know because it, it really is a healthier way to eat and right. a lot of people you know right. Speaking of Basque food, a lot of people need a break from fried food and different things. <laughs>
All right. Um, so let's jump back into talking about development projects for a few minutes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about skills needed in raising money for development projects, because uh, that that is a lot of the work you do is 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 raising money um, and also working on coordinating all these different stakeholders. So how do you think about uh, the skills needed in, in raising money for projects like this? Yeah, from what I've seen, people who are really successful at it have a strong narrative about what they're trying to accomplish and are able to, to paint the picture. Uh, it's something I've learned over time and I still have a long ways to go. And I, back to the empathy piece, I would also say uh, trying to understand where people are coming from because like a lot of people, when they're they have something they're excited about, they just want to talk about their vision and everything, mm -hmm. but you also need to listen to if you're asking investors to to believe in you and trust you and and support your efforts, you need to also think about where they're coming from. And it helps if you have significant tax benefits. <laughs> it's something I found. Uh, so we we've had some success with that. Our our projects are located in Opportunity Zone, uh, and and it's a benefit to uh, private investors. So that's really helped further us along. Can you define an opportunity zone? For yeah, so it was um, part of the 2017 Tax Act was the last big kind of reorganization of the tax code. And part of that was an idea uh, from Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, uh, African-American Republican congressman that uh, was focused on revitalizing uh, inner city areas and also rural areas. So what, what happened was um, they created this legislation that, encourages investors with capital gains to invest them in these opportunity zones and projects like ours. And those investors are able to defer. And then high net worth people who invest in our type of projects have a lot of these gains a lot of times. So what, what, it, what it ends up doing is funneling money into areas that don't typically see investment. Describing narrative is important because I think a lot of people could just focus on the kind of utilitarian, you know, you're going to make X amount of returns. But, you know, I think a lot of people that are looking to invest money and want to see something come from what they've done, right. um, you know, and that's and, and to have a narrative means you actually, you know, means you, <laughs> you know, are creating something that you believe in um, and that ultimately is going to benefit a community because a lot of people investing in your projects live in your community and want yeah. to see your community yeah. thrive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really changing over time. Historically, uh, at least in America, the way we saw investment was, you know, I have charity and then I have, you know, my for-profit endeavors and all that is starting to meld more and more. Uh, and there's obviously generate generational changes that are happening with that, especially as you see, Millennials start to become investors more. Uh, they want to invest in things that they think will have a positive impact on their community and the world. So uh, I think that's that's a positive uh, development over time. Okay, let's, circ let's circle back to the big picture before we kind of close up um, and talk about kind of what your what your vision is for, for the Central Valley. I mean, we, we can talk about Bakersfield, but I think this applies to everybody. So, uh, you know, the Valley is, like you said, uh, 
acquiring people, relocating from larger cities as they're able to uh, work remotely. Uh, But what for you is kind of, you know, your vision for the next five to 10 years, Bakersfield, but more broadly in the Central Valley? Yeah, I think the Central Valley really is the future of California in a lot of ways, as as we've seen with the, uh, you and I having lived in in LA and the Bay Area know about, you know, the the high cost of living there. and, And because of that, people are moving to the Central Valley. And, and now that work is not so much uh, based on where you live and it's it's untethered more and more, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for people to live in places like Bakersfield and Fresno and have a high quality of life that they may have, you know, dreamed of elsewhere and, and they can they can achieve it. Um, but it, it's not just all affordable housing. I would also say you can live in a place like Fresno and Bakersfield where you can create community and have more of an impact like what you're doing with your podcasts and, and other efforts um, that you might not have been able to do elsewhere. Uh, I would not be able to do what I do here in Bakersfield if I lived in a larger metro area. So you can have a lot more of an impact and that's, that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the complicated thing, right. With living in a big city, you know, you're kind of uh, not limiting yourself. That's not what I'm saying, but you're, you know, you're going to be more kind of a like riding along a train going somewhere as opposed right. to being in charge and, right. be, and driving the train. And, right. you know, and that's just that's the definition of opportunity. Right. And, uh, you know, the Central Valley has a lot of potential in that way. Right. Um, and I think that's what you and I are trying to do is, is um, you know, put our skills to not not just for our own gain, but for right. uh, bettering a place that we want to live in. And that's you know, I remember a conversation I was having uh, a little while ago with our uh, Farm Bureau director, and we were talking about ag pollution and different things and how he wants to, you know, reduce ag pollution. Um, and he ended by saying, but, you know, because I live here, you know, and right. I want to, I, yeah. I live in this place and I want, right. I want this place to be a great place to raise a family. And I want, you know, clean air like anyone else does. Right. And I think the right. same is true. I mean, you're also building for you what is, you know, your vision of sure. the place that you would want to live in. And that's that's uh, oftentimes how things, big projects get done is right. someone wanting to create a world that they want to live in where they are. Sure. Um, all right, let's close with two questions. Uh, first one it will be uh, some book recommendations. And then the, the second one will be uh, what you're currently working on. Um, and projects in the the near term for you? Yeah, a book I recently discovered is called The Missing Middle. Uh, I don't remember the, the author's name, but he's a, an architect uh, from Berkeley. And he talks basically about the type of projects that we do, which is housing that's not large single family developments and it's not large apartment complexes. It's all the sort of small pre-war uh, housing that you see in, in older neighborhoods where they're there might be a, a little you know bungalow court of eight units or or a, a four unit uh, building uh, you know just different types of configurations of housing that we've sort of forgotten about to a certain degree and that we should rediscover to help solve our housing problems uh, and provide more housing that is of a scale that's more human scaled and also it enables a lot more people to you know if if they wanted to build more housing, do so. And, and you've seen a move towards this uh, with 80 accessory dwelling units uh, 
in backyards, people can can renovate a garage and turn it into a living space. And the state has encouraged that. It, that's really the low hanging fruit in towards in terms of providing affordable housing. Uh, and then also, I would say, you know, over time, the state's really working on changing zoning, uh, and so that single family R1 areas cannot uh, limit all future <laughs> multifamily developments. So. Uh, I think that's really the the key to the future. So that back to this book, it it just uh, it sort of drove home something that I've thought for a long time and kind of put into words. So found it yeah, it's, it's a more heterogeneous community, kind of like um, we we both lived in Pasadena. Pasadena yeah. kind of does that really well, where there's right. you know rows of bungalows, there's larger right. houses in the hills, there's right. smaller apartment complexes, larger yeah. apartment. I mean, there's a yeah. whole variety, um, yeah. and it also just makes a community just you know, more interesting to look at, you right. know, <laughs> like right. uh, some of these track home developments, even though they div have different looks, right. You know, it's just, a, it's a similar, just kind of plop, 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 plop. Sure. So, um, and then what projects are you working on right now? And uh, what's, uh, what's kind of in the near term for you? Yeah. So um, we have a 49 unit development that's going to be completed in August, uh, which will be a, a four story elevator building with roof terrace and courtyard amenities, dog park, fire, outdoor fireplace, you know, all that fun stuff uh, that we're really excited about. It's um, it's in downtown Bakersfield in an area that's come to be called East Chester. And that's uh, where our developments are occurring. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just really exciting to see it come to fruition. It's something I've been working on for years. So that one will be next. And then after that, we have a, another project a couple blocks away that'll be another 40 units. So within the next three years or so, we'll have 200 units uh, in downtown Bakersfield. And you do some work with Bitwise, which people in Fresno are familiar with. Uh, what, what, is there, what are you working on with them currently? Yeah, I, I've helped them find space. I, I'm a real estate broker as well. Uh, and I've helped them find space in, in Bakersfield. And when they started their first um, investor push, into Bakersfield is the first market where they expanded beyond Fresno. I also helped them find local investors here, capital and in, in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. Uh, but for those who don't know their business model, they, they basically help underprivileged people learn to code uh, and, and find better, better careers and better build better lives for themselves uh, outside of the traditional education model. Yeah. Um, and then you have a, you have a new website correct yeah it's it's eastchesterliving.com and, and that uh kind of profiles our our development projects and what we have uh in the past and what's to come in the future awesome well thanks for talking with me i appreciate it yeah thank you jordan Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As always, you can support this podcast by either leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.